When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Chris Fafalius here. I haven't done this in a while, so I figured I'd give all of our listeners a little sneak peek at the After Party, which is our weekly podcast that goes out to everyone in our supporting cast. If you're not a member of the Krista Makes a Podcast supporting cast, you can head over to KristaMakes.com to sign up. For only a few bucks a month, you can help us continue making Krista Makes a Podcast and get a weekly bonus episode of The After Party. The episode that you're going to hear today was released just this past Monday. In this one, we travel back 30 years to take a look at everything that was happening in January of 1993. These time capsule episodes are always a lot of fun to make, and I hope you'll have just as much fun listening to it. So I won't hold you up any longer here. Don't forget, KristaMakes.com is where you can go to sign up for our supporting cast. So here you go. This is the After Party episode titled Time Capsule, January 1993. Welcome to the After Party. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome to the After Party. The show after the show. Learn a little something new. Join us for the ride. Chris and Chris want all of you to know. Hey everybody, welcome to the After Party. And what do you got for us this week, Chris? So, it's January of 2023 when we're recording this. So I figured we'd go back in time 30 years to January of 1993 to take a look at what was going on. But before we get into that, Chris, do you have any memories of January of 1993? I certainly do. Do you? You're good at this stuff, man. I All I know is I was 12 years old. That's, that's about it. Yeah. In January of 1993, I moved out of my first college apartment, and I moved in with uh, Vinny Fiorello, Less Than Jake's first drummer. Vinny and I lived together, and that's when we did our first jam session with Roger would have been in that apartment, Brandywine Apartments, in January of 1993. Wow. Yeah. So you have some definite memories of January 1993. Your January 1993 is my July 97, like the okay. first time jamming with your future bandmates. That's that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was great. We lived in this just crappy apartment, but we thought we were on top of the world. We would practice in there, and oddly enough, no one ever called the cops on us which was great. <laughs> nice. So I hope that I can spark some other memories because I got a lot of stuff that happened in this month of this year, 30 years ago from when we're recording this. And I want to see how much of this stuff that you remember. All right. Sounds good. Let's go. So starting on January 1st of 1993, I thought this was kind of interesting because 
seems like these have really phased out. New York City's Metropolitan Transportation Authority banned cigarette advertisements. Mm. And I guess that would be on, like, what, the subway and I'd imagine also on buses and stuff. Yeah, on billboards. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I don't know. I, I remember as a kid always seeing cigarette advertisements in magazines and stuff, but you don't you don't really ever see cigarette advertisements now. No, I don't even know if they're allowed at all. I mean, I, I remember commercials for cigarettes on TV. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know when, exactly when those went away. But do cigarettes even need to advertise? <laughs> no. <laughs> they get people hooked and, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I think people uh, find cigarettes on their own. doesn't need to be advertised, sure. Yeah. They're their own advertising campaign. On January 3rd, this is interesting because this record was just broken a few weeks ago. Uh, it was the comeback where quarterback Frank Reich led the Buffalo Bills back from a 32-point deficit to defeat the Houston Oilers 41-38 to in an overtime wildcard playoff game. And it was the greatest comeback ever in NFL history until... This current NFL season when the Minnesota Vikings were losing 33-0 and came back and beat the Colts. So that was just this NFL season it was beat. But do you remember the one in 1993? I don't remember that one. No, I don't. That one escapes me, but it's interesting that, that it took 30 years to, to beat that record. Yep, it just happened. I was, I was at the uh, Wheeling Casino with my friends as it was happening. We were watching it. And... Uh, those guys had put in bets on it at the casino. They bet on the Vikings. <laughs> and the the bad part about it was that, I mean, for anybody that bets or whatever, that they had bet the Vikings minus three and a half and they ended up winning by three. So they made this giant comeback, but still lost the bet by half a point, which sucks. Oh, yeah. I've, I, I, I've never bet on sports. I'm, I'm not good at betting. I, I wouldn't win. A couple days later, on January 5th, this is really interesting, Chris, because I find myself a lot of times, I always bring up Pluto TV. It's just like this free app you can get on your video game system, whatever. has a bunch of channels where each channel is just one show on a loop forever. And one of the channels is the Price is Right Bob Barker era channel. Yep. (laughs) And on January 5th, I don't know if you, did you watch Price is Right in the 80s at all? Of course. Absolutely. Do you remember Janice? One of the models on there? I do. So, in June of 1988, I never knew this. She suffered a serious injury after a cameraman swung his camera in the wrong direction during the opening sequence. It knocked her off the stage and into the audience, and it left her unconscious in front of horrified audience members, and she was immediately rushed to the hospital for surgery. And it was on January 5th that she sued CBS for the accident. And, you know, when it happened... She eventually returned to the show and she made a full recovery, but she could no longer wear swimsuits because of her surgeries that left damaging scars and one shoulder shorter than the other. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, and she ended up she ended up, you know, winning the lawsuit. And uh, her story's crazy. Look into her name's Janice Pennington. Look into her. She went on to write a book about the disappearance of her second husband, Fritz Stamberger, who was helping the CIA establish mountain bases along the Afghanistan Pakistan border. She's hmm. just like, she's had like a crazy, 
a crazy life. And I always see her. Yeah, she's the one whose name I know. Yeah. You, always, you know, Bob will be like, Janice, what do they, what do they got? She's so recognizable. Yeah, well, well, two, two things. I, I, it'd be a safe bet. I will bet on this, that her her second husband's not alive today. No, no, he's not. He was dead before, before <laughs> oh, I she thought you said that. I thought you said they disappeared. He disappeared. Oh, yeah, he disappeared. He, he was dead. They eventually, oh, yeah, he, oh yeah. he was dead. Okay, so they, they, there was proof with that. Okay, so he's dead. And I thought you were going to say that uh, January 5th of 93 was when Bob Barker stopped coloring his hair because at some point he went jet black to <laughs> then like they, they, you know the next season came he was he was just snow white yeah yeah it's interesting um watching him on there I feel like he was the same age <laughs> from the like they show episodes from the early 80s the late 80s whatever it just always feels like that guy was always like 70 yeah <laughs> just forever on January 6th the next day January 6th of 1993 Bill Wyman bassist of the Rolling Stones announced that he was going to leave the band. That's right. Yes. And that was it for Bill. He, he I think, I believe they got, uh, is his name Daryl Jones? He's been with him for a long time. He's a, a African-American uh, bass player. He's, he's great. I think that's when they got him. Now I want to know. Now, now I got to Google it, Chris. Uh, let's see here. Um, yep. Daryl Jones. Well, good, nice. good, good recall there. Yeah, that's pretty good. I couldn't have told you. I mean, this is a shame. I couldn't have told you who either bassist of the Rolling Stones were. Yeah, you I don't know a, why. You weren't a Stones guy. You're a Beatles guy. That's why. I know, but that's so weird <laughs> I, I, that I didn't know who played bass for the Stones. I figured right. Bill, by by '93, Bill made enough money. You know, he was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, that's a long time already. Yeah, he's yeah. probably rich beyond his wildest dreams at that point. On January eighth. The Elvis Presley commemorative postage stamp went on sale. I do remember that. I would not have been able to tell you what year or probably even what decade that was. You know, I, I, it could have been 80s or 90s, but I do remember that. That feels like something that they've probably done 10 times. I could be wrong about that. I don't know how often they offer commemorative postage stamps, but like, I don't know. That seems like it seems like you could always go there and be like, I'll take the Elvis stamps. I don't know. My, yeah. I'm probably wrong about that. there's some postage collector, postage stamp collector out there going, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder if they, they're going to make a like Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy stamp. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure our society will get there. Well, yeah. We I'm saying, a- <laughs> you know, considering that they make all these these movies that all these women tune into, they're like uh, obsessed with these serial killers. I'll, I'll never get that phenomenon. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I, I did watch the Dahmer show. <laughs> Guilty. I thought it was actually pretty good, but uh, but you are right. January eighth as well, same day as the postage stamp. Michael Jordan scores thirty five points to hit exactly twenty thousand points in his six hundred and twentieth game. In the NBA. He was the second fastest to reach that milestone after. You got a guess? Uh, would that be Wilt Chamberlain? You got it. Yeah, nice job, baby. Man. Wilt the Stilt. There we go. Michael Jordan hit that hit that plateau at 20,000 on January 8th, 1993. Uh, that same day, NBC offered The Tonight Show to David Letterman. Wow. Yeah, and this is around the time that I was, start- I feel like I started getting into David Letterman and taping it every night, Letterman and Conan, or around this time. January 12th of 1993. It was the eighth ever Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, induction ceremony. And the following people were inducted. Okay, let, let let me let me think here. So, twenty five years prior to that, and, and well, did they have the twenty five year rule then? I don't know if they did. I don't know. I was surprised this was only the eighth one. Right. So so seventy three would have been twenty years. 
And then shit. So 68. Six, 68. I mean, I imagine the Beatles would have already been in by this point. They're probably in the first year. I, I really don't know because I don't know if they have the, you know, now you have to be a band. Your first record has to be 25 years old. Hmm. Okay. So g- g- go for it. I would have been surprised if you'd have named any of these, actually. Ruth Brown. Do you know who Ruth Brown is? I looked I, up some of the people I didn't know. Yeah, she was my sociology teacher in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's in there. She had a song. She had a song. It's actually a cool song. You should check it out. It's called Hey Mama, He Treats Your Daughter Mean. Mama, he treats your daughter mean. Mama, he treats your Was that the uh, precursor to Mr. T's Treat Your Mother Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When's Mr. T getting inducted? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cream. Okay. Cream's Clearwater Revival. The Doors. Etta James. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. You know them? You know their song? Um, I probably know the song. I don't recall the band name, though. You definitely know the song. It's Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Oh, of course. Van Morrison. Sly and the Family Stone, Dinah Washington, who sings What a Difference a Day Makes, cool song, Dick Clark, and Milt Gabler. Wow. And now they were, they were you know, entering a lot of people, inducting a lot of people back then, I think, because it was only the eighth year. Now they only do like, I think, six or seven, eight artists, right? I don't know. You would know better than me. Yeah. That same day, I'll always remember this. Uh, January 12th, Mario Lemieux announced that he had been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Yeah, I always remember that. Amazing story. Mario Lemieux, all the things he overcame, won Stanley Cups, was the best player in the world. <laughs> it's I can't believe they haven't made the Mario Lemieux movie yet. And I'm wondering who's going to play him when they finally make it because his story is incredible. I would love, like, if, you, I would love if you played him. And I'm going to nominate uh, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me play him. Um Dude, his story is amazing because not only did he overcome cancer and serious injuries and win Stanley Cups and and win scoring titles and whatever, he also then went on to save the team, like buying the team when they were going to try to like move him out of the city. He like his story is incredible. He's like one of the biggest Pittsburgh heroes of all time. He's awesome. On January 14th, David Letterman announced his show is moving from NBC to CBS. So NBC offered him The Tonight Show, but instead he went to CBS on a couple days later. Yeah, I, I think it was around that time that, that Leno took over for Carson. That was 92, somewhere in there. And I'm not so sure he wanted to to uh, compete. I think he wanted to go out on his own and, and, and stand stand on his own. I, that, that's, what, that, that's what I surmise. Yeah, I don't know all that. I know they made an entire like TV show about this thing between Letterman and Leno and maybe Conan too. I don't know if Conan was involved yet, but it was like a big deal. That same day, January 14th, Utah Jazz Center, Mark Eaton. Do you remember Mark Eaton? No, I do not. He's a big goonie, dude. He blocked two shots to become only the second player in NBA history to record 3,000 career blocks. Chris, you did a good job on the other one. Do you know who the other player to record 3,000 career blocks was? Magic Johnson? No. Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
Kareem that, was, that, was, that was my second pick. Okay. <laughs> On January 18th, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed in all 50 states for the first time. And do you know what the last state to observe it was? Hmm. Hope it wasn't Florida. I'm going to say Mississippi. No. Arizona. And Arizona. Yeah. And it seemed like they did it because the pressure was on them because the NFL was boycotting the state. Hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Weird. Okay. On January 20th of 1993, Bill Clinton was inaugurated as the 42nd president. That's right. Old Slick Willie up there with his playing his saxophone at his <laughs> inauguration, which playing I don't think happened. Playing his sax with his pocket full of cigars, ready for the next intern. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too soon? I, I like to... <laughs> yes, too soon. 30 years. <laughs> um, I like to pretend that he, he had sunglasses on and he was playing the saxophone at his inauguration. <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened. Uh, on January 23rd of 1993, the U.S. Female Figure Skating Championship was won by Nancy Kerrigan. Hmm. A few days later, on January 25th, the 20th annual American Music Awards were held at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. It was hosted by Bobby Brown, Gloria Estefan, and Winona Judd. Mariah Carey was the most nominated artist of the night with a total of six, but uh, Michael Jackson and Michael Bolton were both the big winners because they each won two top awards. Michael Jackson won the International Artist Award, and since he was the first artist to be awarded that award, Eddie Murphy announced that it would be called the Michael Jackson International Artist Award. I wonder if they still call that call it that now. Uh, I would be surprised if they did. Um, I looked at like who performed at the American Music Awards, and it's it's interesting because the American Music Awards these are not something I remember ever watching, and I don't know do they still exist. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, it, once the MTV Awards came out, that was kind of like, it su- to me, it, it superseded that. And now those are barely a thing. I feel like nobody cares about those anymore. So, I think since MTV isn't really a thing anymore. Well, it's not, it's not a music channel anymore. It's a reality show and whatever else they do on there. So I think that, I think, yeah, to your point, it's like, why? Yeah, it's like the Grammys are kind of the only thing. Maybe these still exist. But at this American Music Awards in 1993, here's who performed. Chris Cross, Boys to Men. They, they did End of the Road. Uh, bon Jovi, who did... What, what would you guess Bon Jovi did at the 1993 American Music Awards? What song? Well, I mean, that's when Keep the Faith came out. So I, I would have thought it was that. If it wasn't that, maybe Wanted Dead or Alive. No, it was Bed of Roses. Ah, another B-side. <laughs> B-side? Bed of Roses? That's a, that's a big one, isn't it? Eh, uh, I, I don't know. Metallica performed. You got to guess for what they played? Uh, if this was 93, let's see. Um, Black Album's two years old by that point. I have no idea. I'm, I, I, can I pick two? I'm going to say Enter Sandman or, or, uh, or Nothing Else Matters. They played wherever, wherever I may roam. That was my wherever. third choice. Darn it. <laughs> it had to be something off the black album. Yeah. Bobby Brown performed. Michael Bolton performed. Michael Jackson performed. Dangerous. Hmm. Gloria Stefan, Billy Ray Cyrus, Stephen Stills, and then Reba McIntyre and Vince Gill played together. The, I, I looked at one thing I thought was funny was that in the category of favorite pop slash rock band slash duo slash group, Genesis won, and they beat Criss Cross and U2. Hmm. Yeah, there's only three people nominated in each category in this. I thought that was strange. 
Um, and then on January 31st, Super Bowl 27 went down at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, where the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 52-17, to and Troy Aikman was the MVP. That's a spanking in a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I took a look back at what was going on on the Billboard charts on the week of what when we're recording this right now, January 23rd. Uh, January 23rd of 1993. Do you got any guesses as to what could be high on the charts on January 23rd of 1993? I'll give you a hint. One of these songs was on an epic run. The number one song. It was like one of the biggest songs of the 90s. Huge. From a soundtrack. Yeah, was it I, I Will Always Love You? Was that still yep. going? Yeah, that was the number one song right it there. It was. Okay. Yeah. Right in there. Because the bodyguard came out in '92, I think, so it's not surprising that it was still still going then. Right. So I'm gonna go up from the bottom and make a, a few notable mentions in here. Like at number 100 on January 23rd of 1993 was "Symphony of Destruction" by Megadeth. Hmm. Okay. They crack. They cracked the top 100. I loved that. I loved that song. That and "Sweating Bullets." Loved them. Yeah, great songs. I, I'm I'm wondering if if Snow with Informer was out yet. I know that was '93, but that may have been a little later. <laughs> I didn't mark it down for some reason, but I I, I think you're right. And I, it, what's crazy about that is that I think I was going to make a note of that, and I don't know why I di- didn't. But Snow Informer went to number one for like seven weeks in a row around this time uh-huh. because we we recently did a one hit thunder about it. But on the Billboard chart, it had like peak position at like 63. So I instantly hit up Matt Kelly. I'm like, dude, did we mess up on One Hit Thunder? And then he told me, no. When you look at the chart, that's just up to that point where its peak position was. Not right. all time. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But yes, you're right. I think it was on here and I think it was like in the 60s range. So that, yeah. that's a good call too. Okay. Um, working my way up uh, at number 59 was, do you remember, I Got a Man by Positive K? What's your man got to do with me? I got a man. You don't remember I Got a Man? Is the rap song? Is that the one? I got a man, got a man, got a man, got a positive man. Or is that, <laughs> no, a, or is that a, you know what song no. I'm talking about? You're thinking of What a Man. <laughs> what, you're thinking about What a Man by What a Man by Salt and Pepper. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, man, yeah. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Yeah. No, well, it it's works, a, though. What a positive man. It works. What a positive man. Yeah, no. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> mashup, though. I got You're like the new girl talk with that yeah. mashup. So, no, I don't remember that song. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's your man got to do with me? I got a man. I'ma break it down and do whatever I got to do. I'll tell you now, I got eyes for you. You got eyes, but they're not for me. You better use them for what they're for when that's to see. You know it's the problem. You're still learning. I'm Big Daddy Long stroking your man's Pee Wee Herman. I got a question to ask you, true. Are you a chef? Cause you keep feeding me soup. You know what they say about those who sweat themselves. You might find yourself by yourself. I'm not waiting because I'm no waiter. So when I blow up, At number 31, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong from the Spin Doctors. Ouch. 
<laughs> and number 30, End of the Road from Boys to Men, which eventually went on to peak at number one. And number 28, now there's a bunch of great songs right in this area. Number 28, No Ordinary Love by Sade. Mm. Oh, that is such a good song. Another really great song that I have to add to my playlist because I was like, damn, I forgot about that song. Would I Lie to You by Charles and Eddie. You know that one? No, the only Would I Lie to You songs, the Arrhythmics. Would I lie to you, honey? I don't know what this song is. Dude, you would know it. It's da na 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 Would I lie to you, baby? Would I lie oh, yes. to you? Oh, yeah. Do, 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 I do, do know that song, yes. I love that song. I think that song is great. I love your uh, recreations of the songs to, yeah. to, to, to jog my memory. <laughs> Uh, number 25, this seems like a song you would like. Love is on the Way by Saigon Kick. Not one of my favorites. Love the band. But yeah, that was the, the song that was, you know, do, do you want the big ballad hit to propel you to the top of the charts? But then you're forever known for that. And, and it's kind of like when you're typecasted as an actor, you know, you'll forever be Marsha Brady. You can't get out of that role. So uh, didn't didn't really care for the song. Good song. Didn't care for it. And number 24, you just mentioned her former band. Walking on Broken Glass by Annie Lennox. Mm. Cool song. At number 23, my favorite Duran Duran song, Ordinary World. Mine too. I think that song's just uh, one of the most perfect pop ballad songs ever written. Love it. But I Uh, number 22, past Krista Makes, a podcast guest, Glenn Phillips and his band, Toad the Wet Sprocket, with Walk on the Ocean. Yeah, that, that was a, the other choice. I love that song. I love that song. And number 17, had to make note of this one, song I love, Mr. Wendell by Arrested Development. Nice. I like that one. Yeah, that's a really good song. I like it, because, and I may have mentioned this before. I had a high school... A uh, history teacher named Don Wendell. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell. It's nice when you have a personal connection to it. I have a friend named Jeff Wendell, so it always makes me think of him. Uh, and number 13, Seven by Prince. Hmm. I don't know what that song's about. Oh, seven, gonna watch it and fall. I don't know what that means. Probably some kind of religious imagery or something. There's probably some sort of seven. And number 10, I Die Without You by PM Dawn. And number nine, A Whole New World from the Aladdin soundtrack by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. Hmm. And number eight, I don't think I even remember this Madonna song, Deeper and Deeper. No. It hit number eight and neither of us remember it. No. What album would that have been off of? Oh, I don't know. That might have been like a song recorded for, didn't she do something called the Immaculate Collection at some point? And it would have been around that time. Was that like a greatest hits type thing? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And they, a lot of times they'll tack on an extra studio track or something on that because that was after what was the album? Like a Prayer. Chris, I just looked it up and it's actually on her album Erotica. Ah, okay. That was the one after uh, after Like a Prayer, I guess. I, I, I missed that one. Remember she made that book 
She made that like erotica book at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think it was called Sex, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I never had that book. I wanted it. I yeah, a- I think one of my friends in college. I I remember thumbing through the book and and just being like, okay, this is kind of like a, I don't know, a, a Sears catalog with Madonna in it. I don't know what people were up in arms about it. I mean, she was naked in it. I think. It was black and white. I remember it was black and white. Artsy maybe a photos. couple shots. It was. I remember some like maybe bondage gear or something. I don't know. And number seven, "Good Enough" by Bobby Brown, which surprisingly I don't remember that one either. I remember a lot of Bobby Brown songs. I don't remember "Good Enough." Me either. And number six, "Rhythm Is a Dancer" from Snap. I probably haven't thought about that song in thirty years, but that song was huge. Rhythm is a dancer. It's a soul's companion. <laughs> People feel it everywhere. I love that <laughs> that style. I've always had, I've talked about it a lot. But I always talk about having this party at my house where <laughs> everybody eats soup and listens to like those 90s dance club MTV songs. Well, yeah, that, that, that song in particular couldn't have been from any other era but the early 90s. It just yeah. pegged for that. Yeah. And number five, Saving Forever for You by Shanice, which I don't remember. I only remember I Love Your Smile from Shanice. But Shanice is a Pittsburgher. Hmm. And number four, everybody remembers this one, Rex in Effect with Rump Shaker. <laughs> You're from yes. Florida. I'm sure this was just on a, on a constant loop in Florida. <laughs> it, it was, even at the retirement homes. It was on yeah. everywhere. <laughs> All I want to do is film a zoom, 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 and a boom, boom. And number three, the complete opposite of Rump Shaker, In the Still of the Night by Boys to Men. Nice little cover. Um, and number two, If I Ever Fall in Love by Shy. And you already guessed the number one. It was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. So interesting time, a very 90s time in January of 1993. Around this time, the top movies playing were the number six movie at this time, was Leprechaun. Oh. Can can you believe that? No. <laughs> Not then a great movie, in my opinion. Then there's a bunch of movies that I don't really remember. Like, at number five was Matinee. At number four, Body of Evidence. At number three, Sniper. At number two, Nowhere to Run. And at number one, a movie that we all remember, Alive. Oh, of course. Yeah. I knew all of those titles except Nowhere to Run. I don't recall what that was. Yeah, I don't remember most of those, but Alive, yes, of course. It's the it's the it's the movie where they eat people. Yes. So uh, and it's also worth noting that like a week or two later after this, the number one movie was the classic Groundhog Day. And that might be a little wink and nod to next week's after party. Also, before we go, I wanted to look at what albums were released in January of 1993, Chris, and it wasn't great, but I will give you credit. One of the albums that was released in January of 1993 was Snow, 12 Inches of Snow, (laughs) (laughs) as well as, and I'm sure you'll probably remember this one, Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer album. Of course. Was that the one that featured his song, I'm an Asshole? Yep. That's a good song. I I drive really slow in the ultra fast lane while people behind me are going insane. I'm an asshole. I love that album. (laughs) Do you know, Chris, I think we should take the listeners out with asshole right now. Yeah, absolutely. and, And we'll see you next week for Groundhog Day.
Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me, about you. About the way our American hearts beat way down in the bottom of our chests. About that special feeling we get in the cockles of our hearts. Maybe below the cockles. Maybe in the subcockle area. Maybe in the liver. Maybe in the kidneys. Maybe even in the colon. We don't know. I'm just a regular Joe with a regular job. I'm your average white suburbanite slob. I like football and porno and books about war. I got an average house with a nice hardwood floor. My wife and my job, my kids and my car. My feet on my table and a Cuban cigar. Sometimes that just ain't enough to keep a man like me interested. Oh no, no way. Uh-uh. No, I've gotta go out and have fun at someone else's expense. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I drive really slow in the ultra fast lane while people behind me are going. I hope you all enjoyed that little sneak peek at an after-party episode. Don't forget to head over to ChrisToMakes.com to sign up for our supporting cast. We depend on the support of listeners like you to keep this show alive. So for those of you who are already members, thanks so much. And for all of the future members out there, thanks in advance for heading to ChrisToMakes.com and becoming a part of our supporting cast. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. uh, And right now you're going to be getting a little... A little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. 
Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast.